0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Future Role Model, a podcast that praises being unconventional and redefines what it means to be a role model. And today, oh, by the way, I'm your host, Natasha Pearl Hanson, in case you did not know. And I have Brian Moreno in the house. And we were just talking about sweating and getting your car broken into all that happened in the last couple hours. <laughs> Is that... Uh, Oh my! were you? Was that yeah, my introduction? Intro. I thought you
2: were still going. You just come in. No, come no. no in, rule rule, rule number like rock one rock in podcasting just is just don't talk until, over. Yeah,
1: no, I know. <laughs> There's been plenty of podcasts I've been on where the person intros me for at least like twenty minutes, and I'm like, what? When am I supposed to when am I allowed to say some shit?
2: <laughs> well, yes, I did just get my car broken into. That's actually a, that's not normally an introduction.
1: No, I know, but I mean, I th- I, I like it coming in on what we were just talking about, which is why we have these fabulous boot crafts that you picked oh, up for yeah. us. Um, which I didn't know uh, you, you like must have been getting some sort of air signal that I love these.
2: <laughs> well, well, well let's start from the top. Um uh, let's see. On the way here, my car got broken into right in front of Whole Foods. I was just stopping to get a little food. Yep. And um, that's what you
1: get for being healthy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fuck and, your
2: window. <laughs> and the parking lot is really bad, though. So it's like sometimes it's like I would rather have my window broken into than go through that parking yeah. lot hassle yeah. at that particular Whole Foods. So, whatever. I come here, and as I was waiting, the people who were doing the last podcast were drinking, and I'm like,
1: "That sounds good." Yeah,
2: you you seem like you would appreciate a fine kombucha.
1: (laughs) You you know, like
2: I'm to the point where I'm ready to go to rehab for kombucha addiction. Just so you know, like I'm deep. I'm in deep. Into the kombucha. I
1: I like to say that I balance myself really well between different fields. I love to drink, but I also love to be active and work out. Sure, me too. I love to travel and party. I also love to work my ass off. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I enjoy, I feel like I always, when, like, when something is presented to me, I'm like, well, this is the universe saying I deserve this right now. So even though I wasn't planning to drink today, I wasn't also planning to work out today and I did that too. So now I'm just fully balanced. <laughs>
2: well will let you touched on a lot of things there first let me say that is uh, not only are you all those things you should be very proud of your, the balance that you have in your life because it's very difficult for most people and for someone to be yeah you, you know to, to to be grounded and funny and driven and you know also personable and you know have a be in touch with themselves that is it's rare it's wonderful and you should be really proud and an inspiration to a lot oh, of people i thank
1: you i mean i gravitate towards other people that do the same thing too, which is nice.
2: Well, and that being said, you, like I say, seem like someone who would appreciate a fine alcoholic (laughs) kombucha. (laughs)
1: Always. I will always fit in whatever I can to like the little (laughs) slot of time. Like before coming here, um, well, it was like 1230 and my best friend slash Muay Thai coach calls me up and she's like, come hit pads with me for a bit. And I was like, cool. And then afterwards she wanted to go hit a pool in our neighborhood. And we went there for like 30 minutes. I was like, I got about 30 minutes. I can go sit by a pool for 30 minutes before I come podcast. I will, I will fit it all in.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And how long have you been doing this podcast? Give me, because I a little bit over a year and tell me about your book. Tell me more about the book that you've been writing. Oh,
1: the book that I'm working on Uh, the book. Well, this will eventually be a book as well. Future role model will be a book. Um, But my book is called diary of a bad Fiance. And it's. Plan- I'm planning to have it be my one woman show in Edinburgh. Mm.
2: Edinburgh.
1: I can never say it properly. Edinburgh. <laughs> Next well, year.
2: <laughs> well, I've never been. So anyway, it's good to me. Yeah. You know. I've
1: only been. Um, me and Rachel had one show there on our Europe tour.
2: Sure, which must have been wonderful. I want to hear about that.
1: Edinburgh is so cool.
2: How big of a city is it?
1: I don't even know how to answer that. Big? I feel like it's got to be pretty big. Okay. We went and walked down by where the really, there's something about being in a city where it just feels really ancient.
2: Sure. Oh, I mean, absolutely. it just feels
1: ancient. Yes. We went and hung out in a cemetery like for a couple hours. You can feel it
2: and smell it. And yeah.
1: Then the we history. Like, it's rare that I go to a place and I'm like, I want to hang out in this graveyard. But the graveyard was so cool that you you know that there's like probably like Hundreds of bodies laying on top of each other under the well, yeah, and there's and care. there's
2: mojo. You there's actual mojo there, yeah. like old mojo that ain't like dusted off. Yeah, like been in a long, pretty time. interesting,
1: but yeah. So, have you been overseas? Have you? Played? Sure,
2: yeah, I I I travel as much as possible. Yeah, you know, given given the balance that I have to have, but I always yeah, we all I try to
3: have. Yes, yeah, so I get the.
2: It's my sister lives in Italy. She's got two one five oh, two um, nieces. Yeah, my sister's kids are my nieces, not my co- Those are my nieces. Yeah, I always call them my cousins. And people are like, those aren't your cousins.
1: I say the same to my aunties. My aunties, I call them my aunties or my cousins. And yeah. they, I'm always wrong one way or the other. Yes. Yeah, so, like, I don't know.
2: But she lives in the south of uh, Italy in the um, heel of the boot. And I try to visit often, but um, Europe in general, like, I enjoy it. Uh, during particular months, not not right now. Like once August gets over, September, yeah. I love. Yeah. I went to Italy and I think it was April this year. Yeah, I was there April, mm-hmm. a little before the season. Wonderful. Uh, Positano, Capri, all through it. You know, the, the yeah. that side, that because, um, and then I got to do a bunch of Rome stuff that I haven't done. And it's kind of before the season, like a golf cart tour of the city and cool stuff. Yeah. And to me, like, I love. oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: I haven't been to Italy. I was in Italy when I was young. I was like 14 when I was in Italy. So that was exactly 20 years ago.
2: And I'm totally plugging Italy. Like, are we is this video also? Or <laughs> yeah. am I just pointing? <laughs> yeah. at no, I'm totally plugging Italy. But just to get out and experience other places, like even if sometimes like when you just leave the state. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Just yep. to, just, I, I believe I'm up. a man of the people. Like I fancy myself see. as that, you know? Same. Yeah. 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 And like, <laughs> I like to like walk places. Like I like to just smell like the earth sometimes, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, or even just strike up conversations with random Just random.
2: Yes. Just be let, I, you know, sometimes like <laughs> can, it can be frustrating, um, for people But they're like where do you want to go eat or what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. Let's just go see what the universe yeah. takes us, you know? Yeah.
1: I That's what me and Rachel were were trying to do in Europe a lot because it's like you can look up the trendiest places to go and it's never things are paid for and you're never going to get the right, you know, feel like you got to go to a local spot and ask locals, where should I go? What is the best place I can eat? (laughs) that you guys eat at every day.
2: I actually find Google Maps really, when you when you go to Google Maps and you just do a search of the area and you see which place has like a thousand reviews. Oh my God. And it's like, I have a system. And then I go see if the reviews are fake. And then I'm like, oh, this I'm place I'm going to show you my
1: Google Maps <laughs> right now. This is something that my my friends laugh about this, but my Google Maps. So I star and heart and mark every place I've ever been ever loved and ever wanted to go to. And you can look at my map around
2: the entire...
1: So like if... If somebody hits me up and they're like, yo, I know you were just in Banff because I, I was in Banff like this time last year. And you mark the
2: places. That's I mark so everything. smart.
1: So I have all these places marked throughout Banff and Calgary that people are like, where should I eat? And I'm like, this has a great view. I, I le- put yeah. labels in. I know what has a great burger in Banff, what has the best view, what's mediocre service. I also write that.
2: And you do eat meat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I wasn't sure. Because did you, were you ever a vegan? No. Because you strike me. Doesn't she have a bit of a vegan vibe? to her if you didn't know her if you, <laughs> if you didn't know her you'd be like i don't know if she's talking with me yeah <laughs> no man and that's not a, a, a diss or anything
1: i proudly fuck with me okay cool um, yeah
2: i try to balance with everything like yeah I, you know
1: yeah i mean i just had a burger before i came here i i grew up on farms and okay. i know a lot of people are of course And obviously, this will not be a very long tangent because other big comics, other big celebrities, actors, and stuff are all like vegan, don't, you know, animals, whatever. I'm involved in. One of my friends animal rescues. One of my friends uh, fosters That's cats. Wonderful. Like you I must
2: feel that you must get the well, feeling I, that you get. I love when animals. The, when a cycle gets complete. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I do too.
1: But the, you know you, you I don't believe you should mistreat that. I grew up on a farm where we wait we raised elk and we raised burgers. Uh, you know burgers. We raised cows. <laughs> wow.
2: They became burgers. Raise we raised the burger.
1: We raised little <laughs> baby burgers. <laughs> they became adult burgers. Yeah. I one. Well, your the, parents were bad <laughs> they were like, you just put the whole burger in the fucking ground and then it grows and then it, it just grows, grows into little, little burgers.
2: <laughs> that's what the impossible burger is. Where do you is. think uh, <laughs>
1: sliders come from, bitch? Yeah, obviously.
2: <laughs> obviously, those are just not fully hatched.
1: Oh, my God. We raised cows that would become the meat that we would well, eat. And that's
2: delicious. And we were and we, oh.
1: we, we were so good to them.
2: No, but when you're it's happy meat, like the, <laughs> happy I believe meat. in energy and the vibes. <laughs> and if you're like when you see those pictures of like chickens and those crazy that's I bad no i mean that's beyond bad like yeah. that's like that's like the hair raises on my neck and well it,
1: and the thing is i feel like nowadays people want to stand for something because on the surface it sounds good i shouldn't say everybody but like people will say i'm a vegan you know animal rights but they're not checking where their clothes are made are they made by children in another country like do you think that that's okay too it's like you, you have to know where to draw your boundaries. What you can and cannot control is pretty large.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. But so
1: you should advocate for what you can, but also like...
2: The thing about child labor that's also a misnomer is like if... They don't get it done in China, they're gonna go to Taiwan. They're gonna go like you can't really stop them I know, and I know. Like those people won't have any other jobs. Yeah, like, they won't have any It's a sucky else.
1: reality, but it's just true. So when it yeah. comes to the animal thing, I'm like I, I try to figure out, you know, where I can buy from where I know that the animals aren't treated bad. Well,
2: I think um yes, um supporting places where you know things are done in humane ways is right. extremely important, but how do you know who's lying to you and who's telling you the truth? You, uh,
1: you never fucking know.
2: I feel like everyone is everyone lying lies. to me all the time. I know, time. all the, the time. advertising, the everything.
1: Everything. This doesn't
2: taste like 7% alcohol. It could be four. It, right? right? <laughs> like this could it, all might, are... it might be, or it yeah. could be 20. Like, how, how do
1: just, I know? Like, 7% I can drive after, 28, <laughs> you know, 20% I can't, and so. I totally at least you have all your windows.
2: At least you all, you have right? all your windows. I know, barely. And smash, smash it just to get the gym bag. And I had two wonderful water bottles that I really like in there. One that I got in Seattle, like a shaker bottle, you mm-hmm. know, for powders. Yep. So that's gone. And Never your sweaty that. gym clothes. Yeah, real bad today because I did a treadmill class. Like it was, it was gonna be that. <laughs> na- those got thrown away. But then I know there had to be one of the, you know, one or two other things in there that eventually. Oh my, sw- my goggles. Stuff like that for swimming.
1: New goggles. <laughs>
2: Yeah, see, yeah. I'm glad I'm mentally going through this. I'm making
1: making a checklist of what to know, things I have to
2: replace. Yeah,
1: just you know, when you're a little bit tipsy later, go on Amazon and rebuy it all.
2: Sure. And not that I would ever promote insurance fraud, but my friends are like, "Oh, say your watch was in there, and you know, you have the receipt."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, may as well make I the hope money. No one from Geico. I don't think I have listens. any Geico.
2: <laughs> if so, that. it'll be
1: way too late. It'll be yeah. way too late. They won't even know. So, where did you grow up?
2: Uh, South Florida, and then here. My parents got divorced. Oh, uh, I was pretty young. Coast, coast. Yeah, yeah. This was a far place. My father got away, mm-hmm. and um, and then I went to high school throughout the Midwest because I played hockey, and you ah, can't, couldn't really get ice time. Where
1: in the Midwest?
2: Uh, Michigan, Indiana, and in college in Indiana.
1: Okay, I'm from the Midwest. I'm going on tour there starting where? Wednesday.
2: Where? Whereabouts?
1: So I grew up in Wisconsin.
2: Wisconsin. Wow, you have a very non-regional diction. Good for you.
1: Well, here's why: <laughs> I, I grew up in Wisconsin, and then I went to school in Minneapolis, so that was super northern sounding.
2: But still, you. Sp-
1: and then I moved to Chicago, where I started comedy.
2: Okay, so I but feel like you the speak. Three you have very clear diction, though. You don't. Thanks. I don't hear much Wisconsin.
1: Wisconsin will come out when I'm around, like when I'm around my family. Gotcha. Because and
2: that's where your family currently lives.
1: A lot of them live in, uh, it's like half and half Wisconsin, Chicago.
2: Gotcha. But my
1: aunts all still say like, don't you know? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, And where are
2: you going in the middle? I got this this shirt in uh, a Walmart in Ohio.
1: Of course you did.
2: Yeah, just because like (laughs) you know, like that's exotic
1: clothing in Ohio. They're like a pineapple. That's like the most exotic fruit you can possibly.
2: It was either three ninety (laughs) nine or four ninety nine too. Just so you know, when I saw it, I was like, I have to get that. I have another one with tigers on it. Same thing, but black with tigers and roses. Tigers and roses. I was like, for three or four dollars. Oh my god, a steal!
1: Those are (laughs) amazing. That's amazing that those are shirts that you wear in your everyday life.
2: Well, you know, I wouldn't say everyday life, but I do look for opportunities. To wear them so that yeah you know like at least there'll be some posterity with this it'll last forever like I'll always have a frame of reference where I was like oh look at the time I wore that shirt
1: I have an affinity for pineapple clothing I have one <laughs> jumpsuit says no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> I have have one jumpsuit with pineapples on it and one pair of shorts with pineapples on it, and they're both from Tipsy Elves, you know, the ugly Christmas sweater peeps. Sure,
2: sure. Shark Tank.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'm trying to partner with them on a new, um, on my Vegas show. Really? um, Yeah, so Tipsy Elves, please come on board. And what Um, is
2: your Vegas show? Yeah, Tipsy Elves, come on board? Come on board.
1: Um, Dude, so I got so you pl- Do you play in Vegas a lot?
2: So I've only done the Laugh Factory once. I have funny stories I can tell you off the air about Vegas.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll save those for afterwards. It's but- usually
2: not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like something happens. Like There's a fight in the audience. The Vegas crowds
1: are nasty. I love <laughs> Vegas. I love having yeah. a reason to go. Sure. I've been to Vegas on many different sides of the spectrum. I've been broke and in my early 20s. I've been with really wealthy people. Sure. I've been... With uh, it's for comedy, to put it.
2: yeah, I guess so.
1: Like I've seen a lot of different forms of Vegas. I gotta say, when you learn how to do Vegas correctly, it's so fucking fun.
2: And but what does that mean? What's the word "correctly" mean to just, you? Just you
1: know the right people to go to to get hooked up at places. Fair I'm enough. not a nightclub person, so I like day parties, pool parties. Um I know where I like to know where to go to dinner. I like to know the right bars that have a good sure, atmosphere. Sure. Bar bars, sure. you know not. N- nightclubs make me make me want to hurt people and then well um, most
2: of the time they're just annoying it's just it's just annoying it's just
1: people that can't handle their shit falling on you and I, I don't need that in my life not well, anymore. <laughs> well growing up
2: out here like I went to nightclubs when it was really like it really meant like, when you were 16 17, 18 didn't matter if you were 21 you just had to know the door like it didn't matter yeah like these were clubs like this was back when Justin Timberlake and Brittany were just getting together like this oh, yeah. old club called Joseph's. when they were
1: rocking the carpet and yeah jeans, like this was ba-
2: yeah this was back back in the day and I learned like going out and I spent so much time at these places and it I learned the hard way that all the friendships and the people that you meet there and there's obvious exceptions but 95% of the time those people are not your friend. They mm-hmm. don't care. Like they're no, just not. they don't care about you. No, sometimes you will. Every, You know, you got just like everywhere else you'll weed through and you'll meet some good people mm-hmm. but it's just, it's really hard there.
1: I have a couple really good, so one of my best guy friends that I grew up with, we've been friends for like 25 years He is a pro poker player in Vegas. So we've always gotten along because he was in this really tough business Uh, where you're either flourishing or failing miserably. And and I've always been in that as well. And so we always really just got along because we came from the same town and we get each other's financial situation on any given time. So there were times that he had been like, you know, a millionaire and then had nothing. And then I would take him out to stuff. And then he's reversed that on me when I, you know, so I enjoy spending time in Vegas, but I kind of started to despise the way I was getting treated by a lot of the clubs there. So I
2: like just not, not good
1: pay. Not good accommodations. Well, that's the
2: thing. They treat you so horribly. Yeah. like,
1: and they, and they don't cover your costs most of the time to get out there. So it's like you're basically breaking even by the end of the trip. And I was sure. like, I I want to change. Anytime somebody upsets me with the way that they're doing something, I just challenge it by figuring out my own way to do it. That's what I've done with all my own comedy tours. And then with Vegas, I reached out to a hotel and I was like, I gave them a whole proposal and I was like, I want to partner with you on my own weekly comedy thing that's branded under your hotel and I'll bring on sponsors and they were hundred percent on board. So we're kicking it off in September. That
2: is awesome. So
1: we're going to get sponsors so I can like pay for people to come out, pay them, put them up, treat them well.
2: You know, if, uh- <laughs> it, like I haven't been to the Jimmy Kimmel comedy club yet. Um I hear it's nice, mm-hmm. but if yeah, for whatever it's worth, just for you, like making the effort and doing that, not only is it going to be a great experience for you. That it- you you deserve you, you you know like you deserve that like having your own like show <laughs> like that you put in your time in that city you know what i'm yeah. saying and yeah. to have like to be taken care of and hopefully who knows how long it'll work or what it, i, this, uh, I yeah. don't know but I mean, at least we don't you, know. you, you got to, you got to, you're in the game you're well, in the game and that's it just wonderful. Will make me feel
1: great that once a month i'll get to fly out with another comedian pal that i yeah. really respect and they'll be able to get taken care of.
2: And well, see, you're in the game. That's and, what I mean. And you're in the game. And that's wonderful. And you know, it's a good feeling.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you got to you gotta figure out where your stake in the game can be. Sure. And, oh, yeah. you know, create your own. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's, uh, it's super interesting because I feel like you're kind of entrepreneurial as well.
2: Well, yes. And yes. so, yeah. yeah I, I'm in a weird position and that I've kind of, it, you know, because LA being my hometown, so yeah. it's a little different. like. I was always taught, dominate your local market, then move on. You know, figure out your like how to do that. And my local market just happened to be LA. And I was very fortunate for a long time because I have a good local draw. Mm-hmm. But it's like, in the same note, I wish I didn't come up here because I was given opportunities when I wasn't quite ready. I'll be the first to admit.
1: Sure. I, I got, mean, I feel like a lot of people. <laughs> yeah,
2: but, like, I was thrown in front of Netflix, HBO, all kinds. William Moore. I just wasn't ready. I th- and the thing is, like, when you're three, four years in and you have, like, 10, 15 good shows in a row, you're like, yeah. everything I say and do is going to crush.
1: in there. And, like,
2: I'm selling out the improv. Like, these are the people who have been coming out for me and whoever. And I remember one night I would just... I was just dumb like I just I didn't have I had all brand new stuff and like some stages aren't meant for experimentation some Mm -hmm. stages you got to go out with your a plus fire yeah yeah And it's like I'm like everything I say is gonna be funny. And I just remember the first six minutes of a twelve. I, it was the worst. I, I like I actually I saw in my mind's eye. I saw myself running off stage, just quitting comedy, <laughs> and just being like, "I'm out," and everyone being like, "Oh shit, that's how that's yeah. how it ends." Yeah. And you know, I picked myself up from that moment. Um, and I I cleared my head, and I did. I finished off fine, but I bombed. It was a bomb, yeah. and I still like that's the fire. Like I feel I say, on a daily basis, I think, about that set.
1: How long ago was that?
2: It would have been, um, I'm nine years Thanksgiving, so... I'm nine years,
1: five,
2: too. Five five years?
1: Yeah. And, and that I, was an interesting time, too, because I maybe used to... Four,
2: maybe four years now that I even think about it. At it that
1: time in my career, I was regularly getting to perform at the Laugh Factory and, and uh, the Comedy Store and the Improv, and... Then, like, everything switched over shortly thereafter, management and all that stuff. And so, like, you know, everything kind of went through a switcheroo. And for a while, I wasn't sure how I felt about stand-up either. And then I just kept booking myself in other cities. And I was like, I live in L.A., but I don't want to perform here. It's very strange.
2: Well, Bobby Lee took me on the road one time Mm -hmm. to Fort Lauderdale. And he said, never again. Because I'm well, I'm too hyper. Like, and he's like, you, <laughs> he's like, you can't have two hype people. Yeah. And he's like, I need someone low energy for yeah. me. Yeah. Cause sometimes Bobby might only do 30 minutes. Like, yeah. He, might, he yeah. might, you know. Just
1: depending on what he feels. Yeah. He yeah. might
2: just be like, I don't, you know, I don't even know if he likes comedy anymore. But he's a but Bobby's like he's a wonderful human. Like he, mm-hmm. and he taught like he's taken me to Greenblast a few times and talked to me about my comedy. And he was like, just make sure you get in where you fit in. -hmm. Because not everyone's going to give you love, and you're not, you don't need to get in everywhere. Get in where you fit in. And that's something that. That it took me a little while to realize in comedy, I would be like, "Why don't they like me? Why? What am I doing? Like, yep. I'm here and I hang out and I don't bullshit anyone and I don't hurt anyone, Same. and I don't have sex with any comedians. Same. You know what I mean? Like, like I.
1: And sometimes I used to feel like that would harm me. I was like, "Oh, is being in a long term relationship fucking yeah. up my comedy career because yeah. nobody thinks I'm like viable yeah. or valuable to them sure, or sure whatever. On. But you know, when it comes down to it, you'll we all have our own path and yeah. that's why I got so into the business side of comedy. Cause I was like, well, I'll just create my own way to do everything. And it's way more fun. I mean, it's a lot of work, but I'm about to go on tour to five cities that I know everybody in and I'm going to see everybody that I haven't caught see, up with in a while. Great. And like, to me, that's really fun. What
2: other, what cities?
1: So it's uh, Mankato, Minnesota, Minneapolis, uh, Stoughton, Madison, Milwaukee, Chicago. Wow. Yeah. I'm not advertising Milwaukee and Madison because those aren't uh, big. uh, Those are more... Basically, I'm headlining the whole thing, and I set up door deals for each one, so I'm pushing the ones that I need to sell tickets for.
2: Yeah, 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 totally. (laughs) No, I know the game. So
1: on my social media, it doesn't look like I'm making a stop in Madison and Milwaukee, but I fucking am. No, I I totally... (laughs) Those ones are just ones I don't have to sell a certain amount of tickets for.
2: No, I totally get it. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, comedians that... I know, like sometimes, like you get looked at, like I get looked down on. I don't know about you, because people think I, you know, that I had to shake the promoter title for a long time. No, I'm a comedian with a following. I just know how to shake every hand and kiss every baby, yeah. and follow up with yeah. people, no, and be thing. a good person. Uh-huh. And I understand the business side of it. That since I'm not regularly on Comedy Central or whatever. I have to I have to not only crush on stage I got to shake every hand yep. and I got to let these people know when I'm gonna be performing because my leverage is the fact that they've put me on stage an extra 50 people will come yeah you know.
1: yeah and and people don't realize that in LA and I, I'm gonna say this blatantly there are almost no people that are draws in no Los th- that,
2: that's what I 95 percent of zero. comedians, no one will come see
1: nope <laughs> people don't promote their own shows. Like I even have the one show that I have with four sure. boss and, comedy. Well, and
2: you have free. And I, and I said like, if you guys ever need this, give me advance. And, and like, I sent out to my email list cause I have a paid email list and a free email list. Cause once you're free, you never turn anyone back. Like yeah. they, they'll never pay for yeah. it. Oh, yeah. So you got to make them pay right away. And then they'll be like, oh five, ten 10 bucks, whatever. I get a discount yep. code. That's how, and you have to keep on that. Yeah, you have to. And you got to use people mm. who can get who can get people there, because most of the time these comedians, they act like, oh, I'm just going to be famous and people are going to come. No,
1: no. People people uh, are like, yeah, I'll post about the show and they'll put it on their story. And I'm like, do you not know that there was a there was a comedian <laughs> recently? I won't say who, but um, that hit me up because of Europe, because I have the connections in Europe and, me sure. and Rachel had done our tour. And they were like, (laughs) they wanted me to help with a show. And I offered and I set them up for a show and I set up a ticket link and they have a big following on social media. And I was like, listen, just so you know, it's really hard to sell tickets in Europe as an American comedian. They don't know you. They don't really give a shit. They have to have a reason to want to go see you. And I said, put a Facebook event together Get interest, reach out to people individually, message them. You know, if you see any fans that message you that they want to come see you in a certain place, message them directly and say, and give them a code. You know, I, I gave him, I gave this person all the pointers. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't do any of it and they had to, he had to cancel the show. (sighs) And, you know, I put a lot of work into trying to help him, but I was like, Oh, that just shows me I shouldn't help people. But you have to like put your ego in your back pocket.
2: Because I think that a lot too. It's just that a lot of people they think they're above the work. They think they're above the effort. They think they they literally think that their comedy is enough. And I wish I lived in a world where that was the case.
1: Yeah. No. I'm sorry, but that's like never the case. Not anymore. It doesn't even matter acting or anything like.
2: No, man. They're
1: um. Uh, God, who is, so my, my fiance works with one of the biggest photographers in the world and, um, they just shot Jonathan Tucker the other day. Do you know who he is? Actor. Yeah. He even was talking to them about getting into (laughs) a new business because he said making money in entertainment is so hard (laughs) and he's a big name and he works all the time, but like maintaining. A certain, you know, like the economy scale thing, like maintaining a certain amount of money or income is like hard for everybody. And so it's it's pretty like if you're not business savvy, you'll fucking
2: you'll die. You'll flounder. You'll you will die.
1: And then you become bitter and then you hate what you do. I'm like, I would rather just figure out a way to make it work.
2: <laughs> yeah. And that's why, you know, I do live I below my means. I do take into account, like, what can and can be done, and I take risk accordingly. Like, yeah, I blew all my credit one time filming a promo pilot um, to, you know, a sitcom that I wrote. Yeah. And, you know, I I got totally scammed, you know, out of basically $20,000. Like, I mean, I got a product, but you could have done it for half the price, you know? Like you have
1: probably done it for way less than well, half
2: the price. Well, I mean, it was yeah. well. You, you know, I rented a whole floor of a office building. Like, there's yeah. a lot of things I didn't need to spend yeah. money on. And some of the people I hired and whatnot. Um, but I, I got a, a master's education in the things. And so, yeah, I'm all about taking calculated risks. But you got to be business savvy. And I see how some of the... I do pay attention to what other comedians are doing. And that's why like, I was real anti-podcast for the last year. Anti-me doing a podcast. Yeah. But it's like I see the way the market is. And I see how some of the big people, they've kind of gotten stale. And their numbers are starting to plateau. And it's like the experience that... Even you've gotten in just episodes interviewing people and and putting yourself out there and the additional mm-hmm. content you have and the additional format in which people can get to know you it's so valuable and it's vital yeah and it's extra work that you have to do but you can't
1: well and it's it's actually fun like whenever people ask me because I always have so many projects in the you know irons in the fire or whatever people yeah. say but people are like what's your favorite thing to do and this is the answer I hear from a lot of people is I love having my pot cast because I feel like I walk away from every episode legitimately becoming a much closer pal with whoever I had on and I like I know more about them Um, I watch other people's podcasts where they're constantly trying to be like on or funny and and I get that but I'm like this is more like conversational. I want it to be about not me trying to look good and you know and I feel like I resonate with podcasts more like that where you kind of like walk away learning something you laughed you cried I don't fucking know but my my (laughs)
2: best friend out here he's a big plastic surgeon we're starting a doctor and a comedian.
1: Oh fuck yeah. yeah. I just
2: bought all like he's got his own surgery center everything like he's big time you know and um, he's putting
1: it together in your home?
2: Uh, We're gonna do it at his house. Nice. That's the only way I could get him to agree to do it. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> As if he you ha- Is if he doesn't have to go anywhere. Nice. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, that's
1: perfect. That's awesome. So yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I had ordered all the equipment last week and I'm still kind of getting my feet wet on everything else. You know? So,
1: how long did you live in Florida growing up? Before you moved to California?
2: I don't really. A while. Uh, I was pretty young, though. Um, parents got divorced five, six, seven, so eight years or so, nine.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So not super long.
2: No, and then here and then to Indiana or Michigan, Indiana. Did
1: you go to high school in the Midwest?
2: Y- yeah, some. Okay. Yeah.
1: Did you think hockey was going to be your thing? No,
2: I I, I, just, I was just dexter so I could play both wings. And I was a yes. little like little fast guy. Yep. So... Um, you know, like I, I talked a lot of shit on the ice, and you know, I got people out of their games. I would do you little, got good hockey yeah, hair. I, <laughs> I would do little things. I'd fuck with people's sticks and stuff. <laughs> like, uh, um, and then you know, I just lost. I don't. know, My shoulder blew out. Like, I can't lift my right arm up anymore. I went to Indiana for fuck. it. But yeah, like I mean, I've had multiple surgeries. But um, yeah, I. I I played my freshman year, and then after that, like, they had fitted me up with all kind of braces, and then I went through one surgery and a second surgery, and after that, I was just done. But but I learned my gift of gab, I think. Well, no, I mean, I, I think I honed it, because I had an athletic scholarship in Indiana. Instead of, like, cutting me, they were like, you can be an ambassador to all these incoming athletes. You just have to take, like, their family and the kid on tour, and it's like, if the kid needs a mentor or something... They have to be able to call you in the middle of, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, sure, 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 whatever. You know, so it would usually be offensive linemen, swimmers, people like that. And this one swimmer, I'll never forget. This guy was an Olympic caliber swimmer. And the coach didn't want him to join. And I was supposed to be this guy's mentor. And the coach didn't want him to join a fraternity. Mm-hmm. And he calls me in the middle of the night. He's like, "Bro, I just don't want to swim anymore. I'm just burnt out. I just want to join the fraternity. And it's literally the middle of the night. And I'm just tired. I'm like, dude, just do whatever you want, man. Haha, <laughs> 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 hey! and he quits swimming and joins the fraternity and then he drops out of school six months later a year <laughs> oh, later whatever shit. and I'm always like if, what if I'd have been like nah dude stick with swimming you could go to the Olympics I wonder if he would have gone to the, like I wonder if that was the hey, straw that's not on you that's fucking him that's <laughs> I him I still think to this day though what if I was the straw that broke the back right you have nightmares <laughs> what was
1: this guy's name Nick
2: Arzner Nick yeah he, be, Arzner? He, be, he became a meth head like we had heard like oh, he was beating his shit. wife like four three four years he later he went
1: he had he See, he had his own choose your own adventure well, story and he fucking chose all the, the wrong, wrong adventure adventures. yeah and
2: kept going He's like, do you, do you drink and beat your wife or do you go swim I beat my wife yeah. <laughs> and,
1: same motion yeah. <laughs> just yeah, different no, he
2: became yeah he lost his mind he everyone was and he was like that was your guy that was your guy because people like knew him from the home because he was like a famous high yeah. school swimmer you
1: know? oh it's crazy <laughs> he had a
2: great swimming name you know
1: so did you like if you thought you did you you think you were going to go pro, or did you?
2: I, in my mind, just because I'm a little guy, I'm naturally a little guy. Like I know some of the guys that I were playing against that were pro, they were just they, their frames were different than mine. Like I was fast and I could I could move real well. Yeah, but their frames were just different. They were just bigger. And I, so I never in my mind, yeah. And I hockey was like I just I happened to grow up next to a hockey coach, and his kids sucked at hockey, and I was all right, and I went out with him, and that's why. It, you know, it was never really in, you know, my family or yeah. anything. It was all just... my
1: all my guy friends played hockey growing up,
2: oh, really? Yeah, yeah so I just been... grew up next to people who you know yeah. who were in it,
1: yeah, we had like a state champion team. It was the only really? team in my high school that was really good. We had wrestling and hockey. Our football team sucked. Our cheerleaders sucked. <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> but yeah i mean it was just like it wasn't anything that you, impressive. you literally just, just
2: lost six six, listeners, right, six right whole <laughs> listeners
1: well i'm about to go and perform in my hometown for the first time ever. And,
2: and the name of the town is
1: stoughton wisconsin stoughton mm-hmm. and how
2: do people from stoughton say it Stoughton. Stoughton.
1: Stoughton. St- okay, I just didn't know what it was like <laughs> Stoughton
2: or Stoughton. But Stoughton? I,
1: I did. I shot my comedy special in June in Madison, and that one sold out. And I was like, oh, I should probably just do a Stoughton show, so Stoughton people. Can
2: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be the best show that I have on my Oh uh, uh,
2: Yeah, but that's not fair. That's like shooting fish in a know. barrel. You're just going to be like, hello, everyone.
1: Ah, she's so. I know, literally I can do like, like 90 minutes yeah, and they're, they're, they're going to act like, like
2: you're Eddie Murphy four I know. minutes into it. Like it's going to be,
1: I'm going to crush it so hard. <laughs> I am Eddie Murphy. What are you yeah,
2: talking about? I am Eddie Murphy. So
1: when did you know that you thought you might want to be a performer?
2: Um, Oh man, comedy, I guess it really didn't hit me till okay, uh, right out of college. I went to Stella Adler. Yeah, right, right up the acting, acting school mm-hmm. Yeah I um, You know I thought acting um, One of my degrees Was in theater I went to school For five years Like I had a great time Like I was in no <laughs> You were but, the, uh, but, I, but I had a foreign I had a scholarship My mom's like You're not gonna leave school With a theater degree Like if you do Like I will Light you on fire <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed, I got a business degree too, but I came up See,
1: out, but that works. That's oh yeah, smart. it was
2: very important. You know, it was a marketing. Yeah, it was, no, really yeah, it was mm-hmm. yeah, so it was very important. I, I learned quite a bit yeah. I, and I'm very thankful for that part of the education. My mother's push. Um, go to Stella Adler, working like regular office jobs. I worked for the science magazine. I'm called the scientist. They sent me all over the world. Um, and they worked with my schedule. I could work from home so I could still go to the full-time acting program. Yeah, it was good, but it was no pay. The money, was, I think it was like 20000 a year, but they sent me all over the world. You
1: had to travel for free.
2: Yeah, for free. Um, and I basically just had mm. to be the face of this science magazine. It was a life science magazine. I just had to get people, si- um, they would send was me like- Was
1: it like Oprah, where you
2: were just on the cover of every magazine? No, I wasn't on the cover. No, no, no. I just had to talk about it because the <laughs> people who wrote the magazines, like they were impersonable at all. So like, we just need someone to go to these trade shows and sign doctors. Up for free subscriptions. And once you're done signing, once all the magazines are given away, you can do whatever you want. You come home. Mm-hmm. I'm like, great. They sent I mean, I went everywhere. Uh Rio, uh Europe, uh Switzerland, uh, uh, yeah, everywhere. Like, I went everywhere. Hong Kong, I went to tons of places, but um I uh ran into someone when I was at this job. I ran into someone from the Wall Street Journal, and they're like, what do you do? here. I'm like, oh, they call me a marketing specialist. And three weeks later, they offered me a job, a public wow. relations job, the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Right up here, right up the street, the West Coast office. Um, So I took the job. It was a great job, I thought. Um, I so it ge- kind
1: of brought you into that journalism business world.
2: I, I guess. Yeah. Um, marketing. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't really, you know, I was, I had, The acting, I was getting auditions um, when I was at Sella Adler through one of the teachers who had hooked me up with her agent. You know, I was getting some auditions. I had done a pilot um, that never went through. I was a Nickelodeon one, and then another one for an untitled. They sent me out to New York for Viacom. Mm -hmm. Like, it was good. Like, I'd booked a couple things, but nothing, like, panned out. Wall Street Journal offers me the job, but it's a full-time job. You know, and everyone in my family, you know, there was a tons of pressure for me to have some more stability. Yeah. And the job was like 82 from 25 to 82. Okay. But this is the crazy thing. Within two months, one person quits and then the person who hired me got pregnant and was going on maternity leave. So they had, so they basically promoted me. To, I was the West Coast public relations manager within three weeks of working in the Wall Street Journal. I'm making over mm, 100K what? a year. I I had just, I had my license had just gotten suspended because I bought myself this crazy Mercedes and I got caught doing 115 on the 110. I was racing a Corvette. Oh my God. Cam, yeah. My license gets suspended. How for old 624? were you at
1: this point? 24. God, making that much money at 24. I'm yeah. so glad I was piss broke at 24. Otherwise, I would have been full of STDs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause,
2: well, because I didn't start comedy till 27, 28. Like, I didn't even start comedy. Yeah, like, I, I started late.
1: fucked. Yeah.
2: So, <clears throat> so uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I my license gets suspended and can't drive my car. I'm literally walking to work because I, I live right behind the Ivy, mm-hmm. right up the street on Robertson, walking to work. And I hate my life. I'm like, I hate my job. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Like, I'm literally driving myself into the ground. I was drinking too much. I was mm-hmm. doing drugs. I Seriously, I was not. I was unhappy with my job. I'd be on conference calls at 6 a.m., uh, you know, and I hadn't really slept the night before, like, with New York, because I just hate it. Like, I just needed to be on the phone. They didn't need my input for anything. Yeah. I had literally nothing to offer. I was totally underqualified. I didn't I still, when I think back, I was like, I don't even know what they expected me to do. Like I <laughs> You okay. were
1: like George Costanza. Yeah. you just yeah, up I'm just in going house. in
2: the office. And I'm <laughs> surfing and I'm shopping all day. You know, and I'm in this fucking cubicle that looks at the wall like this. Like <laughs> you know, you know, like I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm like just doing things and I'll be offering up input in meetings and like okay yeah sure kid just go put that in the corner <laughs> right like
1: oh my god and i'm just like
2: ah you know like and nobody wanted to talk to me nobody everyone was concerned about themselves
1: friends. yeah and
2: the wall street journal uh a few years uh, previously had been bought by news corp that's basically fox news yeah yep. so it was going through a transition and i walk into the office one day and my computer's gone and there's this little notepad Like, this little, like, Post-it notepad thing that says, come see me. And I was basically the last, the only public relations guy in an office full of salesmen, like, ad salesmen. And, and the ad manager, he hated me because I took, I, my salary came out of his budget and I didn't do anything for his people. (laughs) And he drove from Pasadena every day and had a pool that he never got to use and three kids he didn't like, you know, he just didn't like me for all, I didn't wear a tie and he, you know, and he's like, you got to wear a tie. I'm like, no, I don't. Like, it doesn't say anywhere I have to wear a tie. I know I don't. No, no, I don't. No, I I don't. And so it's like, we would get into it all the time. He loves this. He's like, okay, they're shutting down the public relations division news corp shutting down your position you can take a sales job in new york or like the worst severance package and like i didn't remember the smile on his face <laughs> uh he was so happy it's like <laughs> you take this uh, this this shitty like you get six months of health insurance and a quarter or half your salary whatever and or a job in new york a sales job in new york which i didn't want i'd like an advertising sales job in new york and i'm like i'll take the severance and that's when I started, well, I was in a real low place. I started dating this Saudi princess who was extremely toxic. We lived in the south of Spain in Marbella for a while. Whoa. Uh, yeah, she attacked me with a knife. She was manic depressive. Wait, like.
1: okay, so we have to go into that a little bit more. How did you end up meeting <laughs> this girl, and how did well, you end well, you up i in from, Spain? Well, I'm
2: from L.A. You know, you just meet people out. I didn't have a job. I'm yeah. just out of parties. And, you know, you're partying with people, and I meet someone. I think I fall in love because I'm Captain Save-A-Ho. And it was just super I, toxic.
1: I've accidentally fallen in love with people. Well, I'm Presidente
2: Save a Ho. I'm being kind. I'm save, she, a,
1: save a Bro over Yeah, there. so you get it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and it's just a, it's a, such a bad relationship. And I think I can fix everything. You know, like she's this girl like would eat pills like Tic Tacs. And I kind of got her to calm down and sober. Like, but this was the kind of person who had a, an allowance of fifteen thousand dollars a month. What? And was broke by the tenth. Like had no money. Not even by the fifteenth. Couldn't even make it to halfway through the month.
1: 15000
2: And that's after your bills are paid. That's just your spending money. Trust me. Like, And this person was like a hoarder. They had piles of stuff all in their...
1: Oh, people just don't... Like, like in a three-story economy place. Economy is such a scale. People don't know what they've got until no, they don't man. have it. Like...
2: I mean, long story short, we moved to Marbella. It was terrible. I was I was literally, I was getting the shit beat out of me on a regular basis, and I was just taking it. And I do this joke on stage. I took it like I was the wife of an NFL running back. Yeah. Like, my, my wife ain't getting suspended. No way. No, my oh. girlfriend, no.
3: Oh, so, shit. So
2: literally, when I had, I had no money left, all my cards were maxed out because I'm doing, like, this girl's dad lived in Spain. They were, she was Muslim. Mm-hmm and south of spain is very uh, muslim area yeah so we're living in marbella um her dad is like look you have to marry my daughter you calm her down you need to stay with her i have to, i'm gonna have to go to saudi for like nine months you're gonna have to stay with her and, and i'm like what he's like no you, you and you gotta marry her so i know you're not gonna go anywhere i'm like what like this guy rolled around with armed guards like this guy was, he stole a hundred million dollars from the upstate of New York. Like this guy was no fucking joke. He was he wasn't allowed in the United States.
1: So you're like I can't. Fuck
2: so I'm with like this. what? So I'm like yeah, yeah. In the middle of the night, I had one hundred euros left. I call a cab when she's sleeping. Cost me fifty six euros to get to the airport. No no ticket. I get on an internet kiosk with these are dime euros now that I got. Put it in. Go to verizon.com, Get put my mom's number in there. And I'm like, mom, you're right. I I've fucked up. I should never be here. Please help me. I'm at this airport. I have no ticket. I will come home. I'll do, I'm just texting. It's the middle of the night there. She gets these texts, her, and my stepdad at the time, like a few hours later here, Brian Moreno, checking the Lufthansa air. And I was literally on the plane and I was crying, totally devastated. Like my life, I had no money. I had no job. I didn't know what I was gonna do. And what was,
1: age you were like twenty. was 26
2: yeah 26. yeah about to be 27 yeah and um I watched George Carlin and something about it just stuck in my mind and I remember coming back to LA and everyone was afraid I was going to get back with her and Angelo Bowers had just died yeah that's when I started coming I just had Josh month.
1: Adam Myers on and that that he, month that was such a it still is a detrimental yeah. piece of his life, and he
2: died. And I remember, and the George Carlin thing was still in my mind because I knew I could do my work. I knew words were my gift. I could put them in groups, and I could make people feel with my words. Yeah. I just didn't know how to express it. Like that was my art, and, and you didn't
1: know. Like we don't know that's a job
2: yet. Well, like, I, we- I. No one had ever has shown me I could do that. I was always boxed in. Like, I had to play sports. I had to go to college. I had to, you know, like, I just because I was good at it, not because I ever wanted to do anything. Yeah. So I always felt like I was just doing what I was supposed to do. What I was supposed to do. And then finally, like, I had nothing. So I just had to figure out on my own. And I was low, and I was down, and Angelo Bowers had died. And it was tragic, and I was reading about it, and the camaraderie in the comedy world. I remember I went to Marty's that night to try. I got on stage and Dana Moon and Michael Lenoche were in the back. And I thought I was going to be Mitch Hedberg. And I had <laughs> I had 25 that one-liners fir- written. That
1: was my first right? I I had tw- one-liners. <laughs>
2: and I remember them looking at me and laughing at me. You know, Marty's was this horrible, shitty open mic. Yeah. It's been, and this is my first time. And, like, and they're laughing at me. And I'm so embarrassed. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I can't do it in L.A. I got to go somewhere where I don't know anyone, where there's no pressure. So I stayed, I flew out to my stepdad's place in Jersey and I took buses between Philadelphia and New York for like two years to do open mics. Shit. I I came about a year, and a little over a year. And then I came back and I get the job as the MC of the House of Blues. When
1: it was still across the comedy store. Yeah,
2: I get my SAG card, like right, like that was right away, like when I came back and I'm like, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna dedicate... I reached out to all my connections, I did everything, I got some lines on the show called Masters of Sex on Showtime, got my SAG card, and then the House of Blues brought me in, I had no hook, they were like, look, cause I was the MC, like, they basically, the MC, his car broke down, and the guy who was the booker, he calls me up, cause he, I was a, back, I was doing extra work on this set, and this guy was a, a PA, and he's also the booker of the House of Blues and stuff, and he's like, yo, you're a comedian? Calls me up, he's like, "You want to? we gotta tell those 1,500 people that the band they paid for isn't showing up, they're not gonna get a refund, but here's $50 and free drinks tonight if you want the job. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, I go out there, this one guy from the upper deck threw a beer at me, cause I didn't know what I was doing, he thought I was a real comedian. He didn't know I'd only been doing open mics for a couple of years, like he yeah. thought, you know? So I'm like, oh, you know and I'm like, I don't wanna be-. And this was the moment, I'm like, I don't wanna be here either. And they just all start laughing. You know, and I was like, but the band is really good. And then I start doing something yeah. and I'm like, that's what you just be real.
3: Yeah. And I learned.
2: And then the house of blues, they gave me this room and they're like, you have two hours every Friday. It's all you Brian Moreno comedy. I had literally 90 seconds of jokes. I'm like what do you mean I got two hours
1: But that's where you started your following Yeah
2: and that's how and then I shook every hand And like towards the end there was no air conditioning And people would still line up to sunset to get in And we would turn the audience over Because people would literally be dying They'd lost six pounds in sweat Be like okay let's put a new audience member there Fuck Yeah and we would just go and go and go And then Russell Peters did it one time And he was like man I see what you're doing He's like don't ever stop hosting Because a great host makes a great headliner It's like when you figure out how to host, then you can start doing regular sets. And I I swear to God, I only started doing regular sets about two years ago. It's
1: humbling. Like, because that was the first thing I started in Chicago at Second City. And when I decided I wanted to do stand up, I just I found a stage and started hosting a weekly open mic. And I didn't know any stand up comedians in Chicago. So I I had one of my friends, Anthony Bonazzo, who was the only improv, because I I had only done improv for five years. He introduced me to everybody in Chicago, and I would just book people based on him. It was a booked mic. And uh, that's how I learned how to even put together any sort of time. I think people shit on hosting, but it makes you so good.
2: Oh, it does. (laughs) I remember one time, Jamar Neighbors and... Gerard Carmichael were doing the House of Blues and they were in the back and they were like I was hosting open up and people are still just getting sad. It was like early still light out and they're in the back and I'm trying to do jokes and act out. It's like I don't know what I'm doing like mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out and they are laughing at me like 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 this dude is the worst comic I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. And I still remember f- thinking that in my mind I was like. I may have been that horrible, but I had no hook, which was wonderful. You yeah. need that time to experiment and to try. And yeah, I didn't want to make a fool in front of comedians, but no one's going to be like, okay, no more. Yeah, we got to put Brian in corner for a while. Right. It didn't matter. I was allowed to do anything I wanted as long as the people kept coming and I and the House of Blues allowed me to keep all the email addresses. So that's why my email list is so big. And it all happens for a reason. And then when Fuck. they close it in, they Improv brought me in and, and you know, like I said, that's when my head got a little big. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm it. I'm on start path to stardom. Yeah. And then I just drove myself into the ground a little but no, And not, you know, I was really hard on myself for a while because I bombed. Like I went, I started questioning my comedy and my own.
1: I understand that trajectory because I feel like that's a big, uh, that I've said this to a lot of other people. When you're good at all in the first one or two years, you think you're just going to make it really fast. And then like by year four and five, you're like questioning everything. I think that was the time where I, for the first time in my career that I was like, maybe I just don't really like stand up that much. I was just kind of over it for a second. I was still performing like four nights a week, but for me being over it was, that was the max that I would do.
2: See, my father died two years ago last year when I was going through a little bit Like, I broke my foot and cracked my tooth, like, at the same time, so I couldn't work out. Like, brittle-bones Brian. Not from
1: the same thing, No, no,
2: no, not from the same thing. (laughs) And I was like, you know, and I, like, a lot of the stuff, because my dad was a very big hater of my comedy, and I was just mentally in a... In a very tough How did place. he pass? Uh, lung cancer.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah. He would say... I'm sorry. No, no, no. He would say chemotherapy doesn't make me throw up, but your jokes do. Like, he was, yeah, a tough, oh. tough guy. <sighs> now, I mean, that's hilarious under most circumstances, yeah, but, but it's it, also a therapy session down the line. Yeah,
1: no, that's h- a hard thing to <laughs> let that settle with you after losing somebody, too. Well, it like took
2: that. me uh, probably a year, like a year after I came to terms with it a little more, and that's why I, I go to Ohio. I sold his... Uh, sold his house I'm gonna pack up Some of the stuff That's meaningful to me And I'm gonna mm-hmm. drive it Across country next week
1: Oh like Now
2: Yeah 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 It took me a couple of years To sell the house Cause I just didn't want to Yeah You know There yeah. was There was stuff. It's like A part of me knows that one day I could have made him proud, but he just was never able to live long enough to see that. Well,
1: and I think it's tough when we lose people because we, you know, we automatically think of what we could have had with them or what we should have done or all this stuff. But the the fact of the matter is, none, it doesn't, we can't do anything about it. No, it sucks to have to say that.
2: No, we can't. And this is why I tell people say what's on your mind, say what you feel, and 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 allow the ones that you love to know that you love them. Mm-hmm. Even, like, there was a moment, I still remember the last time I saw my dad. I wish there was just one thing I would have said to him. Like, you know, like, it's okay. Like, I, you know, because he was sad that he's, like, he didn't do better for me because he was mean. He was really hard on me. Like, yeah. in a really, really hurtful way. And at the end, I know... I wish I could have told him as because okay. like, I still remember him, and I think about him all the time, you know, of but course. but he taught me to be resilient and to get up and you know don't don't listen to the fuzz,
1: yeah, I think that's a uh, that's a big thing that a lot of my a lot of my family is in entertainment um musically, I have a big music family,
2: see he and, was anti he was very business mhm-,
1: uh-huh. and they dealt with a lot of that kind of stuff from there. Parents. And and I feel like that's the biggest thing with people. I haven't lost any of my parents yet, but I've lost a lot of other people that I love. And um, you know, I feel like people always wanna have this resolution when they lose somebody to feel like they the the person was proud of (laughs) them.
2: Always gonna be the way. They're not gonna get that. No. You know, a
1: lot of people aren't gonna get that. And so and and that's okay because
2: it's just how it is.
1: It's just how it is. Yeah, so, it sucks to have so to so say that. So that's why, that. yeah,
2: say the things that are on your mind when they are. Because, you know, and I did this, some of the times when I was, when I told my dad how horrible it was, like, I f- still feel good about it, though, because at least <laughs> I told him. Right? Yeah, I, mean, I don't want him slug going into deathbed thinking he did thinking all right.
1: Was okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what? How much shittier would that be if you get up to the pearly gates and you're like, "Yeah, I was awesome," and yeah. they're like, "Well, I just <laughs> want you to know <laughs> yeah. how Your many son. times you actually sucked."
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want you to completely misconstrue where you're at. You should be a little grateful. <laughs> and just
2: so to be clear, when I came back. After the Wall Street Journal, my next real job after that was being a DJ at a strip club. Like, that's how I lived in my car. Josh Adam Myers did that. He got me.
1: He got you the job?
2: Because I came back. And he took me to open mics and stuff because he was like, he was the one who was saying like, you got to leave LA, you know too many people. He would drop me off. He'd be, he was on one like at the time and I, he still barely even remembers doing some of the stuff he did, but it was very meaningful to me. Yeah. And, and he would take me around and then when I came back to LA and before I got the House of Blues job and even when I had that job, like I still needed more money and he's like, I can get you. And I went, I went to, I went to his strip club for an audition and he's like you've done this before right and I'm like yeah sure of course I have like no I've never done I get yeah. on the, I get on there and I'm doing my thing <laughs> and he's like no dude stop <laughs> so he gets oh me get another he's like whatever you were doing there don't do that again
3: oh no he gets me
2: another audition at another strip club deep in the valley like a day shift strip club in the valley like girls had like one arm. Like it was bad. Oh, <laughs> it was shit. bad. It was bad. So that's where I learned for a few shifts. And then I came up the street and was working with the Star Strip on La Siena. He got me all these jobs.
1: Oh my God. Him and that's Eric so Allegria. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eric Allegria, what? Oh my God. Yeah, I haven't man. had him on yet, but that
2: is so <laughs> funny. They got me my first and then Josh would come in, he's like he would come in to the strip club to see how I'm doing. Cause I was he's like, I'd never heard anything so bad on the mic before. <laughs> Because I was like, Yeah, of course, I know what I'm doing. Oh and I my got God. there, and I just remember the first time because I thought you had to be like, <laughs> but like later on, I was more like, mm, Get your dollars out, ladies. Oh, get your dollars out for the ladies. The better the tipping, the better the strip. You know, I was yeah, more like, I, yeah. was, I had a smooth sensual. You know, at first, it was like <laughs> <laughs> during my audition, I was like, <laughs> You were just trying to be like that heckly,
1: heckly yeah. comedian that yeah. you
2: had I had no That's idea. idea. <laughs> <laughs> And Josh is immediately like, he's like, that's
1: not sexy. Nobody's going to want to fuck anybody or spend money with that (laughs) voice.
2: I wish I had that audition oh, tape. Oh, my
1: God.
3: There
2: are certain audition tapes I wish I had. Like, there was one time Damn. they sent me to a Spanish-speaking audition. I speak Spanish, but I got to know ahead of time. And, like, they, I had to do, like, a pirate that morphed into a football player. I was like, arg, a key. And, like, if I wish I had that, like, if that to made
1: pirates it, in and, in, like, Spanish uh, pirates, do they still say arg, or is it different? Well, that was the line. <laughs> that, I was like, is that
2: how they would say it? Arg, a key? Yeah.
1: I'm like, I feel like they would have a different affection. Affectation for that, like well,
2: if that ever made YouTube, I would feel happy. There'd be a warmth in my heart.
1: Oh my God, there's so many things that I'm like,
2: hope yeah, pop in, up on YouTube. Yeah, in the moment you're embarrassed by it, but later on you're like, I'd like to see that one more time.
1: I know. There, I used to do a lot of um, man on the street videos when I was in high school with a real video camera, like a giant oh, one.
2: You, if you could get a hold of some of those,
1: yeah, and and we used to fuck with people on State Street in Madison all the time, and. It wasn't easy to hide, but well, my yeah,
2: because would. It, it was, was like giant. a bazooka, right? Yeah, it was like a
1: whole, it was a <laughs> firearm, <laughs> and you had to put the whole tape in. And uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's people I've hit up over the course of the last couple of years where I've been like, if you ever find these tapes, like please yes, just please, send, send them send to me. A, yeah. I want to see god, this. That would
2: be gold. I want the archive. That's comedy gold, right? Oh now. Oh my god,
1: right? Well. um... What would you say uh, in closing that you're most excited about coming up? Or what are you?
2: Well, I'm most excited that uh, I had got Natasha and I uh,
1: scratch off. Scratch
2: off. So oh if gosh. she wins, fifty uh, percent goes to me. So I'm most excited about. Is my, this
1: how it goes? Are the, th- we 50-50? i <laughs>
2: I'm <laughs> most excited about the 30, thirty-seven thousand two hundred and fifty dollars. I will probably be getting. Well, that was here really shortly. good fast math. Well, you know, a lot I of people played. can't
1: do that. <laughs> 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 Carry the. <this. laughs>
2: <laughs> Where yes, can man. everybody find you? Um, let's see. I'm gone for two weeks. I go to Ohio. I'm just doing some guest spots at the um, the Funny Bone in Dayton.
1: If you want to pop up to Chicago, at all, you can guest spot on some of mine. When shows.
2: when are the dates?
1: I'll be in Chicago on and off for the last two weeks of my tour. Okay. But I'll Is I'll it on message your website. Or no, I'll message yeah, message you I'll all Check of it out. It. Let me know.
2: Yeah, I um, so will do a couple guest spots at the Dayton Funny Bone. They're super nice to me there. Yep. Uh, so and that's like an hour. From the house, so it's not cool. too bad of a drive. Yeah, and then I drive cross-country, and I'll be back in the Improv September. You guys, uh, Brian Moreno Comedy, or go to the uh, website, go to my Instagram. If you ever want free tickets, I'll always make sure to hook you up, because nice. that's the least I can do for... For her audience, and thank you for having me. I really yeah, appreciate no, I, thank it. this. You for was having me. this was not only um, very therapeutic; it was a very good. I try. Was, I try to it keep it a good. balance
1: like that. I mean, because it's therapeutic for me too to have good conversations with good people and just understand where everybody's coming from. You know, we all have different reasons why we're in this business, why why we look up to certain people, and I find it fascinating. And I and I don't think everything should be about being on all the time. I think it should be about getting to the grit of like why the sure. fuck you do this kind of stuff. Sure. So. Cool. I appreciate you being on. And you can find me at MPH Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. Or mphcomedy.com backslash T-I-X for all my tour tickets. Um, you can follow the podcast at Future Role Model or at Role Model Pod. Any closing remarks?
2: Uh, this was a great time. Thank all of you.
1: Thank you. All right. Bye. bye.